Do you like all things spooky? How about chilling stories that have you reaching for the covers? In this podcast, we're going under the covers to delve into all things from chilling haunts to your worst nightmares. I'm Morgan. And I'm Emily. And this is why we don't Don't sleep sleep alone. alone. Hi. Hello. How are you today? Every time I hit the record button, I suddenly forget how to talk like a person. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know how there's like your customer service voice and uh-huh. your customer service personality? Uh-huh. And then there's like your actual person and your personality. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this side sub genre of personality where you have a mic in front of you and you're yeah. like, it could be like you're at a karaoke bar or something, but you have a mic in front of you and you're suddenly... And it's always like rolling a rolling, rolling. <laughs> I was trying not to burp while also talking, but then I couldn't get out my sentence. But it's like rolling a dice. You never know what voice you're gonna get. Like, is it gonna be the hey, or is it gonna be like the hey? So why do I fucking sound like a man? I don't know. <laughs> And now I can't switch it up. So now I need to make this part of my personality. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to like pick which personality you're going to be. Yeah. Every time mm-hmm. the record button goes. Yep. I swear, if you listen to all of our episodes, my personality changes in like almost <laughs> everyone. Who am I? I don't, I, even I don't know. So I don't if you know. can figure it out, then please, please email me because <laughs> <laughs> we're still all of us up here in my little brain are still trying to figure it out i have no idea who i am no i don't know who i am i don't know what i'm doing i'm just a brain you know that episode of spongebob where plankton goes into like spongebob's brain like plugs in the little thing and is like "Ah, ah." that's how i feel every morning like there's just someone up i should probably talk to my therapist about that (laughs) (laughs) there's just someone that but i feel like i have like three different personalities they're all the same person But they have very different, like, motives. And this is sounding crazier the more that I talk about it. So I'm just going to not talk about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow at 10 a.m. whenever I feel like. I did that to you yesterday. I texted you at 10 a.m. with a load of. I did read through all those text messages. And I'm still, I'm going to get back. I'm going to circle back (laughs) to you on that. I need to do some inward thinking before I make a response on that. (laughs) Okay. Just know that my brain, my subconscious is working on that. Yeah. Those you didn't very... respond. I was like, I did something wrong. No. <laughs> no. I'm so sorry. I had a rough day yesterday. It was just. I feel that. It was rough. And I was like, I, if I respond now, I'm not going to give the response in which Emily deserves because I'm a problem solver and that's what I do. So I am going to solve that problem of yours or I am going to confirm that problem because <laughs> i read through that and i was like she brings up some good points <laughs> the evidence is there the evidence is there we're gonna put that one on the back burner we're gonna let yeah. that one simmer a little bit <laughs> before we talk to her about that but not just like a like nice i'm simmering some bell peppers okay. and onions it's like the simmer in lilo and stitch when nani is like just a simmer yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's like the pot is boiling over but yeah. the pot hasn't exploded yet so no. like we're we're fine. You know what else hasn't exploded yet? <laughs> Our social media. Because <laughs> we will suck at it. 
Uh, you can follow us on uh, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, some anywhere really. Just please help. <laughs> Send help. Uh, you can follow us on all those places at Do Not Sleep Alone. And you can email us at do not sleep alone official gmail.com. If you have any spooky stories, suggestions, anything like that, we'd love to hear them. Uh yeah. That's yeah. That's it. So uh <laughs> that got me off guard. Whenever you circle thing not circle things like that. Segway. But like segue things like that. I'm like, it's okay, guys. She's also catching me off guard. So if you're sitting in your car going, damn, Emily. I am also sitting here going, damn, Emily. That was good. Did she like to do improv comedy so she's quick on her Hashtag thinking? queen of the Segway. Is she a bartender, which is basically stand-up comedy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, think about it now. Well, uh, why don't you uh, kick us off, Morgan? I will kick us off, Emily. <laughs> so today's story... It's a little weird. It's a little different. Whenever Emily brought this story to me, I was like, um, tell me more. And then she did. And then I said, please take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, I do have a case of the giggles today. So we're just going to have to deal with that. But I think this case might kill my case of the giggles. Not going to lie. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Are, Are you ready? Sure? Are you ready? <sighs> if you can guess that, guess that reference, then... You're my best friend. That would be me. Chelsea, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'll be your friend, Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea watches that show. Live on the air, if you can figure this out. I'll be your best friend. I'll tell you the answer, Chelsea. <laughs> Daniel LaPlante. That's yep. how you say it. <laughs> was born. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> Daniel LaPlante. Oh my god. I don't know what my brain was trying to do there. If it's a dramatic pause, it wasn't very good. No. I don't know. Did you see my brain? Like, you watched everything happening before, like... behind my eyes, of just like... <laughs> <laughs> if you could said. hear what was going on in my brain what basically i hear is like the windows shutting down and then restarting back up daniel LaPlante was born may 15th 1970 in townsend massachusetts and i'm a huge fan of the 70s by the way anytime there's a story in the 70s i'm just like we'll send you know but he had a pretty rough childhood, so that's no bueno. No mm -hmm. bueno. His parents were divorced by his early teen years, and whenever he lived after the divorce, he lived with his mother, his stepfather, and two brothers. He was physically abused, sexually abused, and psychologically. <laughs> you got this. I was going to say physiologically. Psychologically. Physiologically. What does that even mean? I don't... Well, I know what it means, but like, what would it even mean in the context of my sentence? Who knows? I am so sorry for everyone that's going to be trying to get through this episode, because I am also trying to get through this episode. I am also sorry for myself when I edit this tonight. <laughs> I love you, Emily. Mm. Psychologically, by many adults in his life, but most notoriously by his father and his stepfather, which... Come on, mom. You didn't. Double you, whammy. You didn't see this 
happening. Maybe she didn't. Who knows? Maybe she did see it. Oh. Don't but tell me that. I'd rather... As we know about abuse and abusive relationships, a lot of times people stay in abusive relationships and get into another abusive relationship if they're even able to get out of the first one because that's what's comfortable to them. Mm-hmm. That makes me sad. He suffered from dyslexia but never really got any help from it and was ostracized by others his age for being, and I quote, creepy and weird. So he was just a weird kid in school and he was a little bit slower. So obviously he was pretty quiet in class because, you know, dyslexia has a whole bunch of anxiety that's also tied to it, which rightfully so. I would also be very anxious if I was dyslexic. And yet here I am still talking out loud for everyone to hear my stupidity. So, you know, he was also kind of a like, shorter scrawnier guy Mm -hmm. he was very skinny he had just black short hair and he was only about five eight so very small and scrawny guy which also probably didn't help with his Mm -hmm. image of being this like weird kid Mm -hmm. aside from his overall personality and school troubles he also consistently came to school wearing like old dirty clothes that kind of smelled which was kind of normal for a teen boy but a little bit more than he should have and whether it was a lack of not wanting to be hygiene friendly or you know maybe not having the resources that he should have had at home or someone to teach him those resources and how to utilize them correctly who knows but either way that didn't really help his rep as being the weird, creepy guy. Which also not having good hygiene. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't help at all. That To me, that was always one of the more difficult things that I had to deal with whenever I was a counselor. Mm-hmm. And the things that I really made important was if a kid was like that, I would always try my best to make sure they had clothes to go home with. Like new clothes to go home mm-hmm. with, new shoes, and always like snacks or something like that too because if you're already having a little bit of a different personality that makes you more unique than what the social norms are you're already going to stick out like a sore thumb so adding on that extra layer of smelling or anything like that also just makes it even worse mm-hmm. and harder on you it's just so sad yeah but if you have like i don't know i feel like that's just normal for teen boys to kind of smell but kids are freaking mean, dude. They're the <laughs> kids worst. Kids are so mean. I would, I, I remember like in high school having to carry perfume with me because I was so worried about after gym if I smelled or not. I was like, like literally crippled me. I was like, I have to bring perfume with me everywhere. I have to constantly be spraying myself with perfume to make sure I smell good, blah, blah, blah. Because like, that's like the last thing you want to someone to comment on is like you smell i got out of all my gym classes by taking extra band classes (laughs) i all three of my electives in middle school were banned and then uh one year i had two electives that were banned and one elective that was drama (laughs) i literally got a c my freshman year of hope because i got basically a perfect score in my health class (laughs) which made up for the fact that i never dressed out yeah <laughs> whenever it was time to like do pe so i would always sit out during pe because i was just like and i had it first period oh i did mine online because i didn't <laughs> well i should have done it like the rest of the girls and also did it online because gross 
Thankfully, the school officials also saw kind of what was going on, that he was getting bullied, that, you know, his hygiene wasn't the best, all that kind of stuff, and recommended that he see a psychiatrist for help. And because these are also traits that go along with kids who have anxiety and depression, just hygiene is like one of the first things out the window. And when he went, he was diagnosed with hyperactivity disorder. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Sadly, his psychiatrist also started to sexually abuse him over the next year during their weekly sessions, which obviously made things worse. I don't understand. How do you, how do you, how, how are you in the, like, I know that there's awful mental health care workers. Yeah. I know that they exist. I've met them. I know that they're here. How? How do you get into the field? I think it's just like, obviously they would have talked about the fact that he was probably sexually abused as a child. Right? By his father and stepfather. Why would you know that information and then sexually abuse them anyway? Like, no, you've got to be one shitty human being to be like, oh, you're already broken, so I'm just going to, you know, have my fun with you <laughs> while I can. Like, that is just, I, I don't understand that mentality, and I guess that's good that we don't understand that mentality, which means we're not, cra- well, I am crazy, but like, right, I'm not cry-cry, you know? So... And what do you do as a person who cannot exert control in their personal life? You exert control over other people's lives or in your own life where you can. Around age 15 is whenever he started committing these petty crimes. And this includes breaking into people's homes, stealing their valuables, and with people who commit petty crimes like this. It's not very surprising when they don't get caught that they like to up the ante yep and do things that are a little bit riskier so what does he start doing he starts leaving behind his own things which seems a little chaotic that's a little chaotic energy for me you know now he's leaving behind evidence that's that's what legal people call it so he's like leaving the stuff behind he's moving their things in the home All these things. So this is basically just a game to him. And this game is making other people feel unsafe and unsettled in their own home, which totally fucked up, by the way. But it also kind of reminds me of, I don't know, he's making people feel unsafe and unsettled in their own homes. And maybe he was... Ooh, Emily, stop. (laughs) A little unsafe and unsettled in his home because of all the abuse. I don't know. Just some dots. Connected. Possibly. Maybe. I wouldn't know. Then in 1986, I was going to say 1896. And I'm like, that's also a year, but not the year we're speaking of. In 1986, people believe that while burglarizing, burglarizing homes, he ended up finding a phone number. How he stumbled upon the phone number, no one really knows. Obviously, he's also not going to, like, tell you exactly how he found it. So whether he found it at the home or he was just doing some digging on his own time, who knows? He found a phone number and this is whenever he starts giving off red flags (laughs) left and right. Like, this is whenever I hit the mic cord. (laughs) It's okay. Okay. Are you sure? Everything's okay, by the way. Everything's fine. Why would he want this phone number, you ask? Because I heard you guys ask that through the um, mics. Through the mics. Well, this happened to be the home 
this phone number that he found of a father and his two daughters, Annie and Jessica Andrews. And these girls were right around Daniel's age. So in the same age group slash demographic. And I don't know why, but he just felt the urge and need to talk to them. Maybe just to, you know, have a little chat with someone who's not going to judge him because they're not doing it in person. So he's like doing it over the phone, whatever. So they end up having all these phone conversations and he lies and says that the telephone number was given to him by one of um, the girl's mutual classmates. You know, he was like, yeah, a friend gave it to me and I, and I thought I would call you because that's what a 15 year old boy sounds like on the phone, by the way. Um, and he goes on to explain to her that he's like tall, he has blonde hair, well-educated, he's good looking, he's an athlete, all of the things he is not. Yep. Hmm. My question is, is why did he go with blonde hair whenever he literally has black hair? I mean, why, like, would, why you, would it matter? Why would you go with tall and athletic and well-educated if you are also none of those things? I don't know. Because Which had Annie hooked, obviously, because she's like, ooh, cute boy calling me. He's tall. He's athletic. Whatever. It's my type. That's just my type. And they ended up speaking on multiple occasions, like a lot. And I said, like, again. So you can punch me in the face. It's fine. I want to punch me in the face, too. So he finally gets the courage to ask her out on a date, which, by the way, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> like, how do you explain that to her? I feel like when you catfish someone, you don't plan on actually seeing yeah. them in I person. I don't know. But he shows up on her doorstep and she opens the door and to her shock and surprise, he is not who he said he was. <laughs> and being the nice girl that she is, she entertains the date. She just kind of goes along with it. And they end up going to the fair. And while they're at the fair, they're talking. They're having a conversation. How it comes up in conversation, no one knows. But her dead mom comes up just, just randomly in conversation. And her mother passed away due to cancer. And he becomes so fixated on the mother's death asking how much she suffered you know how terrible was the cancer did did it take a long time for her to die are you really sad that she's dead and homegirl is like oh this makes me uncomfy and kind of just deuces out on the date and then things get weirder this was also only an hour into the date. So, yeah, they've talked a lot through the phone and stuff like that. But still, I personally... <laughs> if I'm getting catfished on a date... <laughs> I don't know if I would just bring up the fact that my mother passed away recently because of cancer. You know, I get that. Maybe he probably asked oh, why do you just live with your dad? Are mm -hmm. your parents divorced? Because like, mine are. Uh, you know what I mean? So I could see how it would come up. But <laughs> I feel like it was, <laughs> as someone who has a it's dead a parent. deep conversation to be having at the fair, too. I right. also didn't think about that. Like I feel like as someone who has a dead parent, whenever I bring up my dad, 
I never bring it up as a serious thing to where I'm like, oh yeah, my mom is a single mom because blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, my dad's dead. It upgraded my humor. Or she convinces everyone in her friend group who doesn't know that her dad is dead, that her dad is still alive. And it just makes <laughs> the people who know that her dad is dead uncomfortable. I had this whole couldn't be Emily (laughs) couldn't be me couldn't be Emily but she definitely did that and (laughs) while it was funny it also wasn't funny I personally think that was one of my favorite comedy acts was that I would only tell my like closest best friends that my dad was dead Everyone else, I had to just figure it out. (laughs) Everyone else, I just tell them that my dad was alive because I didn't want to tell them. I didn't want it to get weird. They're like, oh, and they feel bad for you because, like, your dad's dead. Yeah, but then we would all hang out as a group a lot, and so then only two people out of the like six-person group knew that my dad was dead. (laughs) So then someone would say something about my dad, like not being around or something, because he's at work, and I'm like. Right. right. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> and my two other friends would get so uncomfortable because they wouldn't, <laughs> no one would realize it, but I was just making a dead dad joke. It's not my story to yeah. tell, Emily. I thought it was hilarious. I, that was honestly one of my comedy gold statements. Does Carlos know that my dad is dead? I hope he does. <laughs> if he doesn't, he's going to find out right now when he listens to this episode. <laughs> Annie ways get it because we're talking about Annie Andrews <laughs> Faith thought that was funny guarantee it this was the last time she ever spoke to Daniel ew but the weird thing was that after this instance things kind of started to get a little weird around her house and there were things that they couldn't really explain So one day while in the basement, Annie and Jessica were having a seance to try to contact their mother. Just casual. Because they missed her. She had passed away recently. And, you know, she also just had this huge long conversation the other night with Daniel about her mother. She's probably thinking about her a lot. And they're like, we're just going to try to have the seance to try to talk to mom again. And they didn't really get anything of it. And then later that night, when they were laying in bed, they started to hear these knocks on the walls. And so they thought that the seance worked. Mm-hmm. It's just like a delayed response. And so they tried to start talking to the spirit, and the spirit was responding to these knocks. Right. So they'd be asking questions like, oh, yeah, I knock once for yes, knock two for no, or, you know. <gasps> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add like special effects. We don't have a soundboard, so like we're not fancy, but like also. <laughs> I am the soundboard. Yeah. <laughs> I am the soundboard. <laughs> that was for you. Thank you. And things started to go missing or like being misplaced around the house, which is kind of a common thing that some spirits will do. And. Then the knocks were getting more frequent and more frequent and louder and louder to where the girls actually were starting to not be able to sleep at night sometimes because spooky scared. Yeah. And also like, have you ever tried to sleep when there's like your fan squeaking or something or there's a tree branch hitting the window rattling will literally wake me up out of sleep. Yeah. 
all those knocks or little ticks. And so they were having a hard time trying to sleep at night and they started to believe that they accidentally conjured up a demon and that's why things were getting misplaced or disheveled or going completely lost and why these knocks were getting worse and worse. And their father thought that the girls were just doing it all to themselves and it was just a big ruse that they were causing due to the grief of losing their mother and they he just gaslighted them. <laughs> he just always gaslighted them. Plain and, and simple gaslight. And I guess when you have teenage daughters and, you know, they're acting like this, I can maybe see it to to where they're like, Dad, oh my God, we conjured a demon, blah, 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 all this stuff. You know, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I feel like as a parent, you should also just maybe listen just a little bit, but also, you know, I could see it. And this went on for a while. And then in January of 1987, the girls hear tapping and knocking yet again, but this time it's not from the walls, it's from the basement. And mm -hmm. so the two daughters grabbed a kitchen knife and headed towards the basement where they heard what? it. What? I mean, I wouldn't go in the basement. I would just leave the house, <laughs> but I'm a little scaredy cat. And what they uncovered was the message written in blood along the wall. I'm in your room. Come and find me. The girls freaked out. <laughs> Same. And they <gasps> ran out of the house. They didn't go upstairs to the bedroom. So good on them. But they just ran out of the house to find the neighbor who then called their father to come home. And once he got here, he gaslit them again and said that they're still making this all up and that it was just an emotional stressor and they were just imagining things to try to get back with their mom. Mm -hmm. And so he put them in counseling because he just thought that it was acts of grief and emotional struggle and that they needed help, like professional like, help. I guess. I can see from the father's standpoint. I guess, kind of. Not really, yeah. but yes, kind of. <laughs> they might, Maybe. like... I can see how he could argue that they're doing it for attention. Right. And weeks later, the girls were, you know, still at home, and they heard the same knocking sounds coming from the walls in Annie's bedroom, and they ran in the room to find another message written in blood that said, I'm back. Find me if you can. And same thing plays out. They run out of the house, freaked out. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. And they go to the neighbors, who then call their father again, who comes in to gaslight them again. But angrily. Yes. Guy. He's kind of fed up with it. Because this is the third time that there's been an instance where they've come to him saying, hey, we think that there's a ghost or, you mm -hmm. know. And he's probably having to leave work early to, like, come and deal with this and, like getting a little frustrated mm -hmm. and also he was kind of mad at them because he thought they were doing this and ruining the walls because mm -hmm. they find out it was just ketchup on the walls it's not blood you know but they he's still getting annoyed that there's food on his walls mm -hmm. you know i would be too if i came home and like my kids had written stuff on the walls in ketchup i'd be so mad i don't have kids or anything but reagan <laughs> will sometimes get into something and i get so mad at him yeah and he's a cat a kitty cat he's a little kid cat but dad comes he's really mad and so he's he's like i'm gonna prove a point to you girls there's no one in the house there's no spirits there's nothing and when he enters the house 
the house is even more disheveled than when the girls left it to run in the neighborhood. So creepy. The neighbors. It's more disheveled than when he left it. And when he goes into Annie's bedroom, he finds the message that reads, marry me. In addition to what was originally there, the I'm back, find me if you can. Mm -hmm. And across from that, there's a figure wearing the clothing of his deceased wife, her makeup, and a blonde wig, and holding a hatchet. The figure was none other than Daniel LaPlante. Ooh, spicy. And then there was a huge struggle between the two, obviously, because Mm -hmm. you see a young boy wearing your deceased wife's dress mm-hmm. and her makeup and a blonde wig essentially dressing as her mm-hmm. which it's kind of weird that he's still on this thing about the blonde hair i was gonna make a comment on that but i thought it was just a coincidence it's i think he really has a thing about like the blonde hair and uh he ends up getting away and just vanishing from sight mm-hmm. to where the dad is like i don't know where he went i don't know what happened and he immediately calls the police and they get there, and they find that, like I said, their messages were written in ketchup. And they also find that there's a passageway throughout the entire house in the walls that is where he has been living for a while. <sighs> so he's just been living in the walls, making the knocking sounds, pretending to be their dead mother. And they also found that he had poked little peepholes in all of the rooms so he could watch them at all times. Just through these people. Creepy. Also disgusting. Gross. Disgusting. Those girls had literally no privacy at like 15, 16 years old. He would have been watching them all the time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mm. And they also believe that because he was standing in the closet with the hatchet, things could have gone a lot worse for the girls if they Mm -hmm. would have gone in the room instead of going to the neighbor's. Because they think that he was waiting in her closet for murder. Yeah. Not. And he was waiting to find the girls, not their dad. Yeah. Who is not easily overpowered. Yeah. (laughs) And he was taken into custody and placed in a juvenile facility for the next year. Only a year. You know. Because he's a juvenile. And once he got out, he went right back to burglarizing homes of all the neighbors and ended up stealing two handguns while doing this whole burglary thing. So that's why you get a safe and you keep your guns in your safe Mm -hmm. at all times, let me just say. And then on December 1st, 1987, while breaking into a home, he was greeted by Priscilla Gustafsson, a pregnant wife and mother of two children, Abigail and William. Her husband, Andrew Gustafson, had been at work, so I'm guessing Daniel either thought the house was empty... Or was watching. ...and knew that they weren't going to be protected anymore by the man of the house, and knew that since it was two small children and a pregnant woman, she was probably going to be not as agile, Mm -hmm. which, I don't know, I feel like I would... I don't know. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know. But I feel like you might have this, like, crazy enraged mom instinct. There's only, like, I don't know, rushing hormones through your body the entire time. Right? I feel like I'm fucking crazy pregnant. I feel... I'm on the edge at all times. Right? My road rage? Up. 
by at least five points. Because I always say the thing about, oh, moms could lift a car if it meant that their child would be saved kind yeah, of deal. mama bear. Right. I feel that your mama bear mentality is only amplified when you're pregnant because mm-hmm. you're like super mama bear because you got like, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I also see, though, that it could be semi-possibly easy to overpower a pregnant woman at the same time. Either way... He, he probably waited for the man to leave so he could go in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he did. And it wasn't until later that day when the husband returned home to a literal house of horrors. So by this time, Daniel has came and left already mm-hmm. to go to the next target. But what Andrew found was his wife was laying face down on the bed with a pillow over her head. And she had been shot at close range twice in the back of her head through the pillow to either be used as a silencer or, you know. (laughs) And they also believed that she had been bound, gagged, and raped. He also found his daughter in the downstairs bathtub face down with the cause of death being determined to be drowning. But she also suffered blunt force trauma to the head and strangulation his son was also uh, drowned in the upstairs bathtub with the cause of death, yeah, being drowning. So he walks into what I can't even imagine being absolutely horrible. And when police arrive, they find a load of evidence. Uh, they find <laughs> I traces. It. I get it. A load of evidence. Yeah. <laughs> they, they find traces of semen. Yeah. A load. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. It's, it's, I'm this, so sorry. This is awful. <laughs> this is awful. And they find traces of semen near the corner of the bedspread, a portion of a condom, a knotted brown sock that they believe to have been used as a gag for Priscilla. And seven ligatures, a necktie, stockings, and pages that had been ripped out of a pornographic magazine in the trash can, which they didn't have a pornographic magazine. He had the perpetrator, I wonder who it could be, brought pages from a pornographic magazine. What the fuck? Yeah. It's very weird. And uh, they were able to uncover a lot from the crime scene uh, because whoever committed it was not very smart and it didn't take very long for them to realize who they their main suspect was and it also maybe helped a little bit that their main suspect was obviously daniel Mm -hmm. laplante and he had already fled the area where he uh tried to burglarize another home and stole a woman's vehicle while she was still in it and she actually was able to get out of the vehicle and mm-hmm. she's fine, but he still took the vehicle to a random place and 48 hours, they found him hiding in a dumpster and there were fibers on him consistent with the crime scene. And they also found part of Priscilla's hair in his sock. And, uh, they also were able to find some of the Gustafsons belongings in his residence because he had actually burglarized their home a couple weeks prior omg so it makes a little bit more sense too that he knew what the home was like Mm -hmm. and waited for the husband to leave to be able to pounce police obviously arrested him and it was 
fairly easy to convict him because they had all of the evidence in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't... In his history of crime, too. Yeah, he wasn't trying to hide anything, really, at all. He had their belongings at his house, and he also had fibers all over him and left fibers all over their home. And he was convicted for the murder of the family and was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. So, pretty awesome, honestly. She says. <laughs> yeah. And uh, since then, he has tried to sue the courts for violating his religious rights, claiming that he uh, was not given a fair trial because they didn't let him practice uh, his belief of being a Satanist. But it got thrown out because he had literal no, no backing. Yeah. He didn't know anything about being a Satanist or anything like that. He was just trying to find anything and then he never shined any signs of remorse because they had to do a psychological evaluation on him because one of his history and two just just mm -hmm. just talk to the guy mm -hmm. and you'll know like he's he he, just very impulsive right and which uh, doesn't make for by the way if you're ever gonna be a murderer or anything like that you can't be impulsive you can't do it or you're gonna get caught Tips on how, how to murder. Don't be impulsive. <laughs> Rule number freaking one. Two, don't be a murderer because you're going to get caught. <laughs> True. Rule number three. Don't be a murderer. Don't be a murderer. <laughs> that Those are the rules. One, don't be impulsive. Two, don't be a murderer. Three, don't, don't be, be a murderer because you're stupid. Exactly. Go see a therapist. A good one. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> and, uh... He tried to make an apology at one point, but everyone claimed that it didn't seem like it was real. Mm -hmm. I mean, according to the psychiatrist, he never showed any signs of remorse. So in his apology, too, you can just tell he doesn't really care. And it sounds more like he's making an apology for his own interest to try to look good for the courts. So whenever he's up for parole, he can try to apply for it. Yeah. Which didn't work out. <laughs> I don't think he's going to yeah. be up for parole for a very long time. Nope. And he just... That's it. Rots. That's it. That's it. That's the way the cookie crumbled. That's the way the cookie crumbled. And uh, Andrew uh, Gustafson, the husband of, you know, Priscilla. And How's he doing? Father. He continued to live his life until he just passed away in uh, 2014. And his only wish was just that Daniel would uh, rot in prison. And uh, that's what happened. I don't know what I would do. I, I can't even imagine. I don't know if I could continue living life after seeing that. No. It's like one thing to see other people dead, but I feel like I would be so overwhelmed with guilt that mm -hmm. I don't think, I, I don't know. I would need some serious help. <laughs> I mean, even my mom just losing my dad. Mm -hmm. She's completely different. She's yeah. never been the That's same person. That's a traumatic person. event, no matter what. Yeah, she's never been the same person. So I can't. And then everyone always talks about losing a child. Mm -hmm. Is uh, uh, oh. I hope to never have to go through that. Yeah. Sorry, we just Debbie downed you, y'all. I'm so sorry. 
I was doing the notes for this, whenever I got to the ending, I stopped <laughs> because it really, it, it really got to me. You know, we research so many awful things and we listen to so many awful things all the time because, you know, when you are a crime person and paranormal person, you love listening to true crime stories, but that doesn't mean that you actually enjoy it all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, whenever you buy a home, make mm -hmm. sure that the walls aren't hollowed out to where someone can live in them. That makes me feel so uncomfortable. And uh, also just make sure there's no little random peepholes everywhere. You probably don't want those in your walls anyways. So. No. 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 Should we just do it? One, two, three. Don't, don't sleep, sleep alone. alone.